Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, J.J. Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Let's yeah, get yeah. down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, Kenneth, how you doing, man? As always, man, I'm glad to be here to talk ball, and especially Miami Heat ball. You know how it go. Yeah. Before we begin, we would like to tell you where we're at on social media. You can find the, the account for the podcast at 305 Culture Pod, where, you know, any social media facebook instagram or twitter that's 305 culture at 305 culture pod you can also find me on twitter at jj rivera nba that's at jj riv as in victor era nba and where can they find you kenneth they can find me on twitter at k said k that's k underscore s-a-i-d underscore q-u-e again k said k on twitter and on instagram you can find me at i am k service that's i a I A M K C I R R U S again. I am K Cirrus on Instagram. I've had quite a bit of trouble doing that in the last few weeks. JJ, what's going on with me? Nah, maybe there's something in the air. But anyway, also please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please leave a short review and a five star rating. We really appreciate it as it helps the show grow. Grow. So anyway, let's get this ball rolling. The Miami Heat defeated the L.A. Lakers on Sunday afternoon in Miami facing an old foe LeBron James or old friend we should say not a foe but yeah we defeated the LA Lakers handedly I might add and yeah it was a great game for basically the entire Miami except up until the fourth quarter right Kenneth because up until that quarter we were thoroughly dominating the LA Lakers and then in typical Miami Heat fashion they decided to blow the lead. I mean, you you said it, JJ. That's literally how I've been describing it. Um, and as we all know, us both now, you can check out all our written and uh, written content and everything at allyoucanheat.com. That would be me and JJ at the current moment. Um, check us out, y'all. But, you know, that's what I wrote, man. We, we dominated the game for – three and a third quarters, to be honest. And then, you know, midway to later in that fourth period on the back of a 16 to four run, the Lakers were able to pull back close. Now, don't get me wrong. As you mentioned, that's a Miami Heat thing where it seems like for so long we would allow teams to go on crazy runs that would put us under the gun so far that we couldn't come back or we would blow big leads or we would allow teams that we had already all but put away to climb back in it somehow, some way with like offensive stagnation or inability to make shots. Um, yesterday, you had a little bit of that, but a lot of the greatness of LeBron James. So anytime he's on the other side, you can never, you know, take your foot off the gas. You can never go to sleep. Indicative of Spo putting Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo back in the game, late in the game before they pulled all the way back close because he knows this. But yeah, man, we dominated them for three in the third quarters. Um, and even though, like I said, they came back, which we hate, that's a Miami Heat thing, we were able to slam the door on them eventually. So, you know, that still means a lot with a score of 113 to 107. You mentioned Bam. I 
thought that was a really weird BAM game. He, he ended up fouling out in the fourth quarter. His final line is fine, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, but he seemed to be more, much more in the facilitator mode, as was Jimmy. Maybe this is look. I don't Speaking I don't of, know. Jimmy had Jimmy had 10 dimes before the first half was out. You got to throw that in there. Yeah, he had, you know, I think it's telling. He had 10 assists in the first in the first half, ended up with 2 in the entire second half. But and, that, that probably speaks towards the reason why they were able to come back like they were, though, too, right? Yeah, and to be fair, the main guys didn't play a lot in the up until the Lakers like really came back. That's when they they were put in. But I agree. They, they didn't play a lot in the fourth quarter. Is right. He, he spread it out against the other guys to. I guess he hoped that they could put it away, but um, no, you're right. They didn't play a ton, even though they had to come back in to close it. Yeah, Bam, I'm going back to Bam. Bam was stellar on defense. He was really good offensively, though. Sometimes I felt like he settled. I don't know. He was sometimes out of control. Like he had when he fouled out, he had a this really. I mean, it was pretty obvious when he in the moment when he did it, like the the elbow to the back of I believe it was, was Avery it Bradley. Avery Bradley, oh. yes. Um, but see that, and that's the thing with me, bro. It's like, don't get me wrong, Avery Bradley is a great defender, but most great defenders are also great actors. So Avery Bradley put a little extra on it. But here's the rule or the spirit of the rule. If you're turning your whole body and you've just made a great move, a.k.a. putting a defender in a position where when you turn your body, you having your space moves him, that's one thing, which is what Bam did, by the way. To swing the elbow is another thing. It looked bad because Avery Bradley got beat and then put a whole bunch of extra stuff on the momentum that was carrying him forward based on the drop step. I mean, LeBron does that 20 times a game and doesn't draw a foul. In fact, LeBron does that sometime and draws a foul on the defender. So, I mean, you know, six and one hand, half dozen in the other. You can definitely see how they made the call because it looked worse than it was. But, I mean, that's just a post move, man. If you're turning your whole body, I mean – that's not a foul swinging the elbow is a foul and as they tell you all the time the offensive player is entitled to his face too but i mean you know a wanky call man a wanky call it is what it is you can definitely see how they got him with it duncan robinson ended up leading the the team and scoring 25 points he he seemingly back and i don't mean back to you know shooting well enough no he's seemingly back to shooting what we're used to seeing from Duncan Robinson. 8 of 13 from the field overall. 6 for 11 from deep. That's 54%. And my goodness, this... It felt really good watching Duncan. Listen, bro. You know, it, I mean, be speaking, the Duncan of old. Speaking to us the comeback in Atlanta, when Duncan's shooting like that, and again, they came back, whatever, whatever. But when Duncan's shooting like that, it's hard to beat us. And there was this play... Um, where Bam Adebayo got this wide-open dunk um, where he hung on the rim. I think it was in the third period, and, you know, he almost tore it off the glass, as I request, every time he gets an open lane. Um, But the reason that he was wide open at the rim, bro, is because Duncan caught the ball in the corner and three Lakers defenders went out there. Three, count them. There's only five guys on the floor, and one, two, three of them went to the guy that we call three-bow, the guy that I call three-bow, and that's gravity. Um, that speaks towards the whole thing that has always been with Duncan. Like, of course you want him hitting his shots, but 
when a guy has shown you to be able to shoot that well, and when all he has to do is make one or two, and that impact is instantly renewed, you can't get off of a guy like that. You can't stop going to a guy like that. You can't sour on a guy like that because it doesn't take much. If he hit one or two, he tilts the whole floor. He changes the entire philosophy of the defense. And three Lakers defenders going out there, leaving the big man, the dunker man, wide open at the rim is a delightful and indicative situation of what Duncan and his gravity means for this Miami. I team. think I think that might have been one of the best defensive Laker efforts all afternoon long because, man, it was tough to watch him def- try to defend. As Eric Reed accurately pointed out, they're practicing social distancing. Go ahead, Joe. They was in rare, they was in rare form yesterday, weren't they? Oh, yeah. They were really bad defending. I mean, there was a possession there where I understand the defense was, you know, guarding the three-point line, but they had they had like four guys bunched up at the top and then Duncan slipped and nobody came with him. He he beat the defense <laughs> soundly. There was another possession where I I don't remember who the ball handler was, but LeBron switched out to him and God, I'm forgetting the, the people's names, but yeah, there was another player with him and I think I believe it was Avery Bradley who was supposed to rotate over to the paint, but he there was no rotation and PJ Tucker got up wide open layup and it was a crucial point in the in the game the lakers still were within striking distance it was in the fourth quarter and then you know lebron did his typical like shaking his head or whatever because that's that's what he that's what he does as those are part of his antics as kenneth likes to call them absolutely but that but when your defense is as bad as there was just theirs was yesterday what can you do besides just shake your head oh no and it was quite bad actually and you know offensively they were fine no, no no i know that they got they got that guy on the other side lebron james by the way let's talk a bit about him i know he's an opponent right now but he he is and he plays a key part in our our history as a, as a team so absolutely well as jj him. says as jj says we would be remiss if we didn't mention the greatness of lebron james <laughs> exactly so well lebron james he's still great spoiler alert i mean i was t- i was talking to kenneth in our pre-pod discussion, and I was like, imagine how opposing fan bases and teams felt when he was at the peak of his powers down here in Miami. He was the most unstoppable player I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, I kind of felt that way yesterday. You know, we're recording the day after on Monday. But yeah, there were a po- there were points there where I just felt like, I mean, we can't we can't do anything against him. He he'll he'll make you pay. He was at the rim, he was at the rim already. You couldn't do much to stop him. When you try to wrap him up, he still got the layup. He is just fan, fantastic and the greatest player I've ever seen with my own two eyes. To your point, DJ. Luckily, they spotted us twenty points to start out the game. Luckily, he doesn't have teammates that activate. Twenty six points. I mean, we were well, yeah, up by twenty six yeah, at one well, point. you know what? You know what I mean. Luckily, he doesn't have teammates that, you know, don't get going as quickly as he does. Because if we aren't able to get out to that massive lead, I mean, what we're speaking towards, the greatness, the potency, the still peak production of the guy that at worst is the second greatest player to ever live um, is overwhelming at times. And I mean, he still is great. You know, even at his age, it's mind blowing that he's still able to go as hard as he goes to do it game in and game out and still be dominant when he wants to. I mean, we're, this isn't a Lakers podcast, but we're talking about the guy. So 
even with all of their struggles, he's been absolutely phenomenal. You can't blame LeBron for them struggling because he's doing all that he can, and that's a fucking ton. Well, you can't blame him for how the team currently looks because I know well, he had a heavy I, hand on that. Okay, well, there. Okay, I agree. But we're not talking about LeBron the GM. We're talking about LeBron the small forward. No, I know. Well, LeBron the basketball player because I I never like to like just fit him into the small small forward hole because he is so much more. But yeah. Um, absolutely absolutely jimmy butler speaking of lebron james jimmy butler surpassed lebron james you know facing him how cool was that jimmy butler surpassed lebron james as the all-time miami heat triple double leader with 10 he had 20 10 and and 12 in this game he was magnificent passing the ball scoring when we needed him to had a key layup key contested layup there it was a really tough layup that he made against against the defense and he was magnificent like jimmy butler is so absolutely and that and that's the thing that really bothers you i mean all that jimmy has done for the miami Heat since coming here you know the type of player that jimmy butler is you know he works harder than anybody and you know that jimmy wants to win more than anybody so even after the atlanta game and how that one ended you don't knock him so to speak as much as you're just upset that you lost the game but anybody that knows what they're looking at. No, you can't purely knock Jimmy Butler. I mean, now to that point, you mentioned the tough layup. And then even if you take it back to the last, not the Atlanta contest this past Friday, but the one before that, where you had the tough left-hand layup to seal the deal on the game. He makes such tough shots, contested shots, in-traffic shots, that when he does miss an easy one, it just confounds you. So, you know, just to your point, yeah, man, he had a Jimmy Butler-ass finish. And I think that's why, you know, him not being able to come through against Atlanta in the game before this game against the Lakers was so shocking. But again, to that point, it was the perfect recipe. Um, after having the performance he had to close the Atlanta game with LeBron James coming into your building, they beat you in the finals after you went toe-to-toe with them as Jimmy Butler. And you know it's his record that you have the chance to break. I mean... Irony? I think not. It was the perfect recipe for Jimmy Butler explosion, and that's what he did all over L.A. Off the bench, Caleb Martin continued his heater of a... What is it? He's been on a heater for the past month or so, ever since he got an extended run. The menace. I mean, the the guy just... Eric Spolster said it best. He's a can of Red Bull. And now he's a can of Red Bull with a jump shot. Hmm. Yeah, he... You know, when he, he only shot two three-pointers and he made both of them. And they were wide open, of the wide open variety. But I never had a doubt that they, they were going in when he shot them. As soon as, as I saw, he was wide open. And that's not something I would have said, you know, one month into the season. I was just and about to say, remarkable. hell, even a month and a half ago, bro, I don't know if we say that. You know what I mean? And you also have to mention that it was, you know, we had the game in hand if we play defense. But... To put the cherry on top, Caleb Martin had the steal that really sealed the deal off of an Aaron THT pass that he took coast to coast, um, not only getting the steal, but converting the layup on the other end, too. Yeah, I know, I know the play. That, yeah, of course, that was the game, that one that ended the game. But still, uh, anything else? Dwayne Demon got a really short run. He got only eight minutes. He, and he had... 
He scored more than a point per minute. He, he, he had, had a nine dominant points. eight minutes, though, JJ. A dominant eight minutes. You've got to describe it right when you're talking about the mechanic, dead man, the backup center. And I have to add this. Listen, we're all human, so we all have human emotions and human nature, competitiveness, all of that. And we know Deadman has been a great teammate since he came over to the Miami Heat. And you could see that when he was out, even in his excitement for what Yurt was doing. But Deadman's intensity, his presence, and his, what's the word, his purposefulness and everything that he's done since returning from his knee injury has screamed, this is my job and you aren't getting it. Am I wrong? I don't know if, if it's that. Deadman, he's always been an intense guy ever since he arrived here. Maybe it could be due to that. I don't know. But I, 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 I will refrain from judgment. Point. Yeah, I would dare to say he's playing with a little more energy, though, man. It's like he's, you know, not that he didn't give you everything he had, but it just seems like he's found a little something extra since coming back. And, I mean, as humans, you have to say that watching the other guy, you know, make a great impression is enough to do that. Maybe he needed a break as well. Oh, totally, totally. Because he plays a few amount of minutes but when he plays he is going all out and you know that's pretty hard to sustain honestly that like he goes hard he'll go for your throat every single game but yeah great win overall pj tucker made some key plays to seal the deal and the miami he ended up prevailing 113 to 107 anything else you might want to add kenneth before we move on to preview the week Absolutely. We'll get to the preview in a week, but yeah, as you mentioned, P.J. Tucker, he's been huge all season, always huge, made a clutch three as the Lakers were trying to make their comeback to give us some more space and also was the guy that drew the offensive foul on Avery Bradley late in the game to give the Miami Heat back the ball on a key Lakers possession where they could have made it an even tighter game. So, I mean, you know, it just goes without saying P.J. Tucker has been huge for us. I don't know where we would be without him this season and why in the hell did it take so long for Pat to go get him. Yeah, probably he's here, okay? So wait, let's let's just keep it at that. The Miami Heat next play on Wednesday, January 26th against the New York Knicks, a game that has been moved to national television. Finally taking they're finally taking notice of what's going on down here in South Beach. Uh an opponent. Oh, speaking of Knicks- that, I'm I'm sorry, man. Did you see the ESPN tweet mid game? Well, LeBron had the coast-to-coast dunk. Oh, yeah, and, and they cropped out the score. <laughs> yeah, and they cropped out the score. It's like, bro, we're up 20-something, but you're going to show the dunk. Oh, infuriating. Just to your point of finally giving us some love. Continue, continue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, shit, let's talk a bit about the what the national media has been doing to us. In the past week, ESPN posted, you know, a, a tier of team, a power ranking, but in terms of tiers. And the Miami Heat were lumped together with the dangerous LA Lakers loomers. Loomers, as dangerous <laughs> loomers. And I might add, the LA Lakers currently stand at 23 and 24. They are eighth in their conference. The Miami Heat are 30 and 17, first in the end, Easter Conference. So, dangerous loomers? I don't know. No team in the league, aside from the Phoenix Suns, has shown me. That I should truly be. I mean, we beat the Suns, by the way. I was saying, who wallowed yeah. them in candlestick at their place in their home court with their mama watching? Who wallowed them? The Miami. And Eddie Johnson still ain't stopped talking. <laughs> 
But yeah, Brooklyn hasn't shown anything to me that terrifies me. I was wrong in the preseason. I'll, I'll admit to that. Uh, th- well, thank you. Well, thank you. Well, 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 thank you. And and also go ahead and tell the people that your MVP pick is out for four to six weeks. So the guy that I told you was going to have a resurgence season on the team that I told you was going to have a resurgence season, not only is having that resurgence season, but Kevin Durant just made way for the guy that I told you that's on that team that I told you and Steph Curry to make the MVP. I'm sorry, JJ. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but I've been trying I mean, to tell you. I mean, let him get out of his slump first, okay? It's Steph Curry. Do you imagine? I'll ask you this, JJ. Be honest. Do you right still? Now? Do, do, yeah, be honest. Do you, do you still? Would you leave Steph Curry open? Oh hell no! Nobody wouldn't. Nobody yeah. in the right mind would. So slump or not, he's still the most dangerous shooter in the league. Oh yeah, shooter, yes. But I wouldn't have a number one in my MVP rankings. Just so you know, right I now. I mean, if you. Matter of fact, listen, we, we got a couple of minutes because, I mean, we only had that one game since our last podcast. So a lot of this is going to be, um, you know, surrounding edge talk and previewing the next couple of games, getting our next thoughts out for the next 10, 15 minutes or so. But let's take a couple of minutes to talk about that midseason, kind of a check in on that. And I got a feeling where you're going and I'm going to obliterate it. But let's have the talk. Let's have the talk. I mean, who's your give me I'm a top Jokic. three for MVP. Really? OK, you already you already heard my first one. So Kevin Durant, he probably won't win it. He's gonna miss too much time. He was the he was the front runner when he went down. I don't think you can dis, I don't think you can argue with me or disagree with me about that, Kenneth. He was the front runner because Steph slump opened way for him, and he was still he was still consistently great every single night. And he had the Nets at the top of the conference, but he went down. So I think that takes him out of contention right now. I would have Nikola Jokic number one. Steph Curry number two, just off the strength of his blistering start and the Warriors still being the number two seed in the Western Conference. Number three, I have Joel Embiid. So mine's actually um, goes very similar to yours. Of course, I still have Steph number one. Because people expected them to be a six, seven, eight, maybe even play in seed this year. You did too, JJ. Um, and not only are they the number two seed, but like I said, Steph Curry has been a top four player minimally throughout the course of the league this year, even with his slump. Um, I will give you, I will give you the Nikola Jokic. He was probably four for me with um, KD being at three, but of course that injury. Knocks KD out of contention, so I put Jokic up there. But number two, you said it. I mean, we're the same. This guy has been on a tear for a month, and we saw that personally. Um, Joel Embiid is playing out of his mind, bro. Yeah, he I mean, has been I, insane. He's been nuts, bro, nuts. So um, we're pretty similar. It's just that I think that what Steph has been able to do and how far he's been able to bring this team on his back and on the back of his hot shooting, because you've got to realize he just got Clay back. Draymond has missed in and out of time this year. Um, James Wiseman hasn't returned. I mean, you know, he's making guys. I mean, you know, we've heard a lot about Jordan Poole prior to this year, but if you don't think Steph's presence and gravity has a lot to do with his development, you, you're watching the development of Kaminga right in front of your eyes. If you don't think that Steph's presence and his gravity has a ton to do with all of that, I mean, it's just, it's multifaceted for me. Not only is he, you know, 
killing you from an individual perspective, but he's propelled his team to being not only one of the best teams in his conference, but one of the best teams in his league. And all the while, he's continuously making all of his teammates better than they are. Andrew Wiggins is having arguably his best season ever as a pro this year. Some and of that has to do with- And he, he was third in all-star fan voting in the front court. So that means if the fan voting stands, he's going to start the all-star game. I'm just saying, and if you and if you don't think that has something to do with playing besides Steph Curry, you're nuts. And I know, I'm not saying you, I'm just speaking in general. So, I mean, for all of those reasons, Steph Curry is still my number one. He would have to totally fall off the face of the earth, especially with KD going down. And I respect your Jokic take. Of course I respect it, which is why he's in my top three. However, I'll put it to you like this. Um, if you're a top four team in your conference, and I know it's a team game, so you can't judge him like that. If you're a top four team in your conference, then I may go Jokic number two or even, you know, I may, you know, go 1A, 1B right now. But with them not being any higher than the sixty where they are, and might I add, only a game in front of seven, eighth, and ninth, Minnesota, L.A., and the L.A. Clippers, I, I, you know what I mean? A game in the I win mean, column. They have more losses. Those teams have more losses, but a game in the win column above those three teams, 7, 8, and ninth, Minnesota um, and both L.A. teams, I don't know, you know what I mean, how much that does for me. Even if you look at it from a different perspective, Denver has 24 wins. A Portland team that's had a subpar Damian Lillard, uh, a collapsed long C.J. McCollum out, and Damian Lillard now out with a abdomen injury, a team that we can all agree is a very poor Portland team, only has four less losses than them. It's hard for me to give that guy the number one M, you know what I mean, the number one side of my MVP rankings because the MVP isn't just about your individual performances, but how you impact winning for your team. Counterpoint, the Denver Nuggets would be the worst team in the league without Nikola Jokic, and that's not hyperbole. That's a fact. Looking at all the on-off numbers with him, he has been, he has single-handedly kept them afloat. Also, by the way, did you know that the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, the off my line New Orleans Pelicans are two and a half games behind the Portland Trailblazers for the final play-in spot. And they might they might very well earn that spot given that Portland will have will miss Dane for an extended period of time. And that was a topic we talked about too. And I agree with you, but I also say, I don't know, man. The bottom of that West is pretty poor. I mean, when they got up to the horrible start they got up to we both were on the ride or the train saying they're probably not going to make it. But then I did come back with the counterpoint. The bottom of that West was poor, so nothing would surprise me. And B.I. has been balling. So you got to give him some love and what they've been able to do. You know, we're not going to spend too much time on this because we love hoops and we love the game and we love sports. So we can talk about any NBA. We're Renaissance NBA guys, people. We love the Miami Heat, and this is what we do. We talk Miami Heat ball, but we love the NBA, so we can talk it all. So just bear with us. I mean, also, do, do you do you move? I, I have to ask the Zion question. If you can get a premier package for Zion, if you can get a premier package for Zion, do you say fuck it and build around Brandon Ingram? Hmm. Okay, that's a good question. I would lean. God, it would be. It's just that it's a tough sell anyway for the fans because I'm trying to think of it the business and basketball perspective, you know, you're already struggling to attract fans into your building or national media attention. The only time you have been 
like really relevant in the national media eye is Zion. is when is Zion's rookie season. No other player, unless his name is LeBron James or a Kevin Durant or Stephen Curry, will bring that amount of buzz to your team. I agree. And his encore production matches the hype. It's just that he hasn't been on the court. I was about to say he's rarely on the court though. And then we yeah. also got we also got to include you know their lease situation in New Orleans. I don't think that you know they have a long term lease in place. So I mean, to your point of you know appeasing the fans in the market, you know, and, and maybe looking a little shaky there too. Oh, that that's a prime relocation candidate. So as an NBA as an NBA fan, you know, as an NBA fan, like. I, tr I consider myself to be a knowledgeable NBA fan. I wouldn't be surprised if New Orleans is one of the teams that ends up in, you know, in Las Vegas or Seattle because Absolutely. the NBA. Adam Silver has repeatedly said, "I mean, shit. I think by 2030 we should expect at least a team in Seattle." Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's a Without a doubt. I think that's an that's a certainty. But that means that you have to do three more teams. Well, that means that you have to do two more teams because here's the thing: right now it's even, and the team in Las Vegas makes it odd and if you're relocating new orleans you're not adding a team but you're just moving a team so that's still an odd number of teams so if that's the case you got to add two more teams right yeah unless they relocate to another place i mean there are other cities that are looking kansas st louis right uh, but, Pittsburgh. What but what i'm saying is outside of new orleans even if you look at orlando orlando has been poor But Orlando has a faithful base. I don't know if there's another team um, that will relocate to Vegas. Like, yeah, we have New Orleans. Some people might want to throw Oklahoma City out there, but Oklahoma City has a loyal fan base, and it's a lot of money in that ownership group. And they they moved not too long ago. That was like 15, right. They're the, yeah, they're the team that moved 16. from Seattle. But that all you know what I mean. You know how that goes because what you got to think about is if you're looking at it that way, New Orleans isn't that old. New Orleans hasn't been in New Orleans that long. You know what I mean? They've been there for a for a fair amount of time. They've been long they've been there longer than OKC. OKC's been there what was it? they got there in oh eight? Do you know do you know why OKC got a team, brother? Because okay. the the New Orleans right. Hornets no. at that time they couldn't so play it, in New Orleans because of Katrina and so people started showing up. You know what I mean? So while you might have three or four year gap, it's still in the grand scheme of things not that much longer. You know what I mean? I get what you're saying. But anyway, enough relocation talk. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about basketball. I mean, well, you never, well, you never answered the question before we move on. If you're the New Orleans Pelicans, take fan appeasing market out of the way. Just strictly basketball. If you move to Seattle or if you move it, that gives you a pass to be able to blow some shit up. As a coach, as a GM, if you can get a premier package, a couple of firsts, a young player, um, then another future first, a couple of protections, do you move Zion and build around B.I.? Answer the question. Are you in the hot seat, J.J.? No. Mm, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I mean, unless, I mean, I don't like to, I don't want to get into hypotheticals here, but. I mean, you have to. The guy ain't played this year, J.J. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> What what it would have to be a really really good young player, and I don't know what young player fits that criteria. <laughs> unless yeah, the Mavs okay. give me, unless the guy the Mavs give me Luca or OKC gives me Shea, then I. But okay, so there even, are rumblings. 
and I don't know how true this is. This is stuff I've seen in different places. And I'm just so I'm just speaking hypothetically. I'm not putting this in the air as if I'm validating it. I'm just giving you a scenario. There are rumblings that, you know, some people in Toronto aren't necessarily thrilled with OG's continued development after the deal. If Toronto comes to you and say, look, here's Scotty Barnes, here's OG, here's a couple of more picks, hell, we'll even throw in a precious Achua. Do you move Zion for those three? No, because I don't I wouldn't want Toronto to get their hands on Zion and turn him into a and turn him into Thanos. Absolutely, but you can't think about them. You have to think about your best fortune. Are are those, you know, two players plus presses? I mean, what way the way okay. Imagine I'm David Griffin and I do something like that. And Zion then magically heals his foot problems and goes into a Toronto Raptors training program, training and development program, and he turns into a, into a two-time MVP becomes, or something. Right, he becomes Elton Brand with mad athleticism. That affects me because I'm the guy who traded away Zion Williamson for, for trying to build around Brandon Ingram. And Brandon Ingram is an incredibly good player. I don't know if he the end game will always be a championship and that's what you are always trying to trying to have to try to build towards Absolutely. and OG OG Scotty Barnes and Pris, you can keep your precious Achua <laughs> but yeah OG Precious and Scotty boatload of picks won't do it for me honestly I got you I got you and before we move on I'll, I'll give it to you like this with the David Griffin and trading away a guy and you know hoping they don't develop him that's probably what the Magic thought when they kept Penny and traded Shaq, or let Shaq go. I don't know if they traded him, but then when they kept when they chose Penny over Shaq, that's probably what they thought. But anyway, I mean, wasn't the official story? I read the I read the show, the Three Ring Circus book, and there's a detailed explanation of how Shaq left Orlando, and it was oh. Okay, I, I, like, we, I don't want to really get into yeah, this. Yeah, we're not gonna rehash it, but there are multiple. But okay, stuff. The, the whole gist of it was. His agent floated the idea of him going to LA. LA was willing to pay what he was what he was after. Orlando at first lowballed him in such a manner that he felt disrespected, right. and then came out that right that, inf- that infamous fan poll that said is Shaquille O'Neal worth I don't know a hundred something million dollars. People said no. So I wouldn't right say there. it was. But that's them choose like my thing that that's them making a choice right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to lowball Shaq, you're making a choice. That point blank period. But I get what you're saying. There's a there's a bunch of different narratives and different little, you know what I and mean, you know, wings to that story. According but... to the book, there according to the book, there were some, let's just call it, interesting things going on with ownership as well and all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But we don't have to get into that. I was just saying, it, it's an interesting topic because then Penny goes on to have injury history and never reaches potential blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's preview the week, man. What we got this week? The New York Knicks, the underwhelming New York Knicks, I might add, who are currently out of the playing tournament. They are the 11th seed in the Western Conference. This is coming off a surprising season in which they finished ahead of the Miami Heat. They had the fourth seed, and they promptly lost to the Atlanta Hawks in the first round in brutal fashion. Trey Young became public enemy number one in New York, surpassing Reggie Miller, and... The Knicks, the most valuable franchise in the NBA, who has who suck 
once again. Absolutely. And now that in that first round loss to the Hawks looks even worse now because, as I mentioned to you again in the beginning of the season, the Hawks have regressed and they're trash. Last year was the anomaly. Yeah. So the Knicks, they're not good in any area. They're not good defensively, which is strange considering that Tom Thibodeau is their head coach. And Absolutely. If there's a guy that, you know, is, you know, whose voice when you hear him talk you think this guy is a is a hard ass in practice and he'll absolutely and he'll make you go through these grueling defensive drills like you probably do a lot they, you probably think they'll, they'll go through a lot of cone drills and all but no they are not good defensively after that after that being a strength of theirs a massive strength of theirs i might add they were probably i think they were like the second team they were number two in the league in terms of defensive rating Mm -hmm. and they falling off significantly so Absolutely. and you do thank him for you know helping to develop the guy that we call our best player and jimmy butler um but you also look at it from the perspective of they came into this season hoping to increase their offensive output because last year although they were one of the most efficient three-point shooting teams they were at the very bottom um and if not at the very bottom within those last two or three teams and three-point attempts per game so they've come into this year trying to shoot more from three. And I think that their focus on offense um, has really hurt them on the defensive end. And, of course, you have a lack of effort and other things there. But I also, you know, think the fact that they're trying to spread the floor more has allowed them or has prevented them from keeping their defense as tight as it needs to be to be as effective as it was last year. Per NBA.com, they're currently at the they're currently a middle of the pack defensive team. They're 14th in defensive rating. By the way, the Miami currently rank eighth. A number that I expect to rise as the season progresses, as our guys get healthy. You know, absolutely. A, we had a stretch there, but we mostly relied on offense, which is strange considering that. You know, most people say, "Oh, um, if you're missing a lot of guys, just rely on your defense; they'll take you home." But no, nope. we did the opposite. We we, re we reverted back to the team we've been for the last two or three years. For the last two or three years, the Miami Heat have relied exclusively on the deep ball, and I like the fact that we're getting back to a lot of our core principles. But what we've shown you, especially with Jimmy missing time and Bam being out for four to six weeks, which I was going to also add should help our defensive rating, having one of the best defenders, if not the very best defender in the league. The best defender in, in basketball. Right. That's why I threw that out there for you. I think he's top three, but I'm not mad at you calling him the best. Um, I mean, we shot the hell out of the ball when we didn't have those guys. When those guys aren't playing, we're going to take 53s. And with our shooters, we're going to hit half or more. And your task is to outscore us. And a lot of teams haven't been able to. So, you know, that's the thing there. I agree. By all measures, the New York Knicks are a bad team. They're, they currently stand at 23, 23rd in the league, excuse me, in offensive rating. And they're 14th in defensive rating. So that's the makings of a mediocre team, which perfectly explains their 23 and 24 record. Julius Randle has to regress immensely. And, you know, Julius Randle is someone that has struggled against Bam in previous matchups. I mean, because Julius Randle is a guy like, I think he's like, his playing style is such a bad matchup for 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 himself, I mean, for what right. Bam Adebayo does on defense. Isolation, isolation. Yeah. It's a bad playing style for a lot of people, man, because, like, You know, an example, he couldn't play for Miami because Miami is ball movement and man movement. Well, when Julius Randles get the ball, the ball doesn't move and neither did a man around him. Not in New York, anyway. 
No. And, you know, Julius Randle, you know, his advantage was that he would oftentimes post up and have um, have big guys, have bigger guys that are slower than him and he's more agile than them. And he was a tough shot maker. Well, not against Bam. Bam is more, is more agile than him, faster than him. And he is as tall if not taller and he has longer arms i was just about arms. to say bam yeah. is a little bam is a little more big but he's still bigger than julius randall so yeah julius randall he struggles against bam at a bio but anyway let's you want to talk anything else about the knicks before we move on to the clippers nope we're gonna you know give our predictions for the rest of the week as we do at the end the clippers a team that has you know ever Very since paul peculiar. george went down Ever since Paul George went down, they are, they unfortunately have slipped off, which is expected given that he was their clear-cut best player coming into the season with, within Kawhi's absence. They're still the they're still a really good defensive team. They they currently rank sixth in the league in defensive rating. However, offensively, is where they struggle. Horrible, they, man. Horribly inconsistent. Like they'll give you 110 one night and come out the next night and give you 75. They like, are currently. Do you know which okay? Do you know which teams are behind them in offensive rating? I'm gonna go the Magic and the Thunder. The Magic, the Pistons, and the Thunder. Okay, not good well, company. I forgot the Pistons, but yeah, it sounds about right. Not good company. So yeah, that's something that you know the Clippers. I mean, they don't have. They're running. When Marcus Morris is probably your best scorer, you you gotta run say, a lot of you're gonna right. run a, a lot of Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris because was, Suwatch, There you go, there you go. I was gonna say it's either, it's either him or Reggie Jackson, and when either of those are your go-to guy, you're not gonna win a ton of ball games. And they're good players; <laughs> they're just not ones or twos or even threes in most cases. No, they're they're high-end role players on a championship yeah, yeah. team, which is what the Clippers are, you know, intended to be. Unfortunately, Absolutely. injuries have taken that away. By the way, we're let's talk a bit about the Clippers. Since we, we got time, re- you got we got time, right? Yeah, we got a couple of minutes. We would be remiss, as you like to say, if we didn't mention that um, they're still reevaluating Paul George. But you, you know, look at that as a situation where they're just seeing how far they would get. And there was a report that Kawhi Leonard could be back at this season. So if they're in a place to, you know, make I mean, a run, they're still a scary team with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. So if they're in a place where they can just sneak in with the play-in and get both of those guys back in healthy, they're still a live dog. Honestly, Kenneth, they, if the Clippers are in playing in the playing tournament, I don't. I, why would Kawhi come back, honestly? I wouldn't come back. I would just take the, the offseason to ramp up my conditioning and you know, be 110% sure that I'm fully ready to go. Let me ask you this. Is the play-in tournament still the playoffs? What do you mean? Like the play-in tournament is the playoffs. Like you play, you don't play. No, they don't count towards your. Well, yeah. Right. I thought right. you meant like statistically, like no. No, okay. I don't. No, I don't to be care to be clear, this. to be clear, the playing stats at, don't count towards your right. playoff statistics. Look, they look left right there. Look at this. Look at this connected. This Gen Z are here talking about stats. I'm talking about wins and losses, JJ. Wins and losses. Okay, sure. Play-in, if you win in the play-in, you move on to the playoffs. You don't play to make number one seeds. You don't play to get number two seeds. You don't play for seeding. You play to make the show. And if you make the show, 
the chips fall where they may. If though if okay. that team if that team makes the show with those two guys, they can compete with anybody and dare I say beat anybody if they get Kawhi back up to a certain level. I mean, so I agree with you. There is something in me that says, okay, if you're looking at this team forecasting out, how far can we go? Um, you know, you take off the rest of the season and get fully back healthy. However, with those two guys, man, you know, that's as good a dynamic duo that's in the league. So if you're Kawhi and you're confident in your body and you're firmly in play and territory, you're only talking about one extra game, two extra games at max. I mean, you're in the playoffs. That's why you play, just to make the playoffs and let everything else fall where they may. Because rather, whether you're the one seed or the eight seed, your path to a championship is almost the same. I think it all depends on, first, how the Pelicans and the Kings, maybe the Spurs as well, if they do something, uh, they maybe the Kings. The Kings are an inter interesting trade deadline team because I have, like, we they're they they have the most players i have read about like that might be on the move the aaron fox is in rumors even tyrese halliburton i don't know why we, why on earth you would move tyrese halliburton in a rookie contract but that's the kings for you but they seem like a trade they seem like the most likely trade team because they seemingly i don't know based on the podcast and reports i've read there seems to be like a mandate from ownership to make a trade this season you know to maybe spice up the team and try to get into at least a play-in you know what i'm saying we will see we will see anyway kenneth 2-0 um i mean wait you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna take my spot this this week and gonna say one one i mean see here's the thing here's the thing wow i i don't know I think we win both of those games, but I would consider the Saturday game against the Raptors this week as well. So maybe we should open it up to okay, that game no. as well. Uh, right. And I, well, I, let's, I preview want... the, let's preview the Raptors a bit first. Okay, okay. cool. So I don't want to bury the lead because I would say – matter of fact, fuck it. I, I got to do it. I would say 3-0, but we play the Raptors twice. We play the Raptors three times in like two weeks once you get to next Tuesday and including the game recently that we already played. And as we saw with the Hawks, you know, one of those games is bound to not go your way. So that's the only thing that scared me. So before we get into the preview, I I'm leaning 3-0, but let's get into the Raptors. I'm leaning 3-0 as well. However, the Raptors, they have been playing really good recently. Pascal Siakam is back to his, to his, you know, to his level. The level that we saw from not even, I mean, even last year was a struggle for him. You know, the year before when he was an all-NBA player. Right, when he everybody had him as a top five player and being better than Bam and all of that. He's not that good, but he's a really good player. He's back to that level. I agree. He's top, he's top 25, okay? We can agree there. He just ain't as good as everybody tried to make him out to be. I just had to throw that in because I, I found myself arguing that a lot. And then those same people that were arguing with me were crickets last year, but I digress. They played us really well last time they, they, you know, they came to town. Fred Van Vliet, a flamethrower. By the way, Fred VanVleet should be an all-star this season. Absolutely. I mean, that 35-footer, 40-footer that he hit at the end of last game that gave him a chance to win it, I mean, I'm still having flashbacks. That was a heck of a shot. Yeah, hell of a player. And, you know, they have long, rangy forwards in OG, Pascal, and Scotty Barnes. So, interesting matchup for us. 
besides Van Vliet, the rest of that lineup are six eight, six nine athletic dudes. I think that's like it's like if someone took it's like the analytical dream of NBA of NBA roster construction. Probably you need to throw in some seven footers in there and some ball handlers. But yeah, that's like they're trying to build like this positionless team, which I'm incredibly fascinated by. Just go five, six, eight guys that can shoot, that can handle the ball, and throw them out there. Right. If a basketball team was an NFT, it would be the Toronto Raptors. There you go. So, okay, Kenneth, now you got me thinking. I'm going to stick with 3-0. Me too, man, but I just wanted but, to keep it real with the people. I, If there's a team that's going to do it this week, it's going to be Toronto, but I still think oh, we Oh, by them. the way, the, the Toronto game is of the second night of back-to-back. Both games are, oh, in fact, all three games are at home. But, you know, you wouldn't be, right? It was in the second night for back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that is yep. the second night. Yep, that is. And that's you the only a... thing that, that's the thing that gives me hope. We're playing them in Miami. Didn't mean to cut you off. Hopefully they get some, well, with all the health and safety protocols, we might not get that advantage again. But, you know, hopefully they, bro, they got some, some handover. It's still Miami. Like... That's what I was about to say. It's still Miami, and they wide open down there. You hear me? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. So anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. You can also follow me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. And on Instagram, you can follow me at J Rivera 98. That's J A I R O R I V. It's in Victor E R A 98. And where can they follow you, Kenneth? They can find me on Twitter at K said K. That's K underscore S A I D underscore Q U E. Again, K said K. On Instagram at I am K Cirrus. That's I A M K C I R R U S. Again, I am K Cirrus on Instagram. Pat Riley, if you're out there listening, don't you dare trade for Christian Woods. You hear me? Don't you dare trade for him. If you do, Pat and Andy, you know, not like, not like you know, not like you know more about basketball than both of us combined. But if you do, I mean, I would, I'll still support my team. It's just that. I would much rather not prefer it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have no choice but to support the team. And Pat Rowley, we trust. Whatever they do, we're going to rock with it. But please, please don't. Please no, sir. Please. <laughs> well, let's see what happens in that front. So thank you for listening. See you later in the week. Bye-bye.